Good morning, everyone. It is so great to have you here. So great to worship with you as you are at home. You have come to a celebration. This is the highlight of our week as we see who God is and just how much he loves us. We know this finds you at home, and so a few rules as we get going. One is tune everything out so you can tune in to this broadcast. Another is to participate. Stand up, sit down, uh, sing out loud, and pray together. Uh, it's time for worship, friends. Uh, the final thing is we can interact the way that we've been interacting during COVID-19, which is to chat in the comment box, which is to share this online link to your friends so that others might find you. Um, and uh, may God bless us as we worship online here. Uh, with that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get going. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in these moments, uh, we meditate on your unfailing love. We thank you for the opportunity we have to do that today. As we draw near to you, so draw near to us and give us the gifts that you uniquely offer, the gifts of perspective and peace and joy by the Spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's worship the Lord. We're going to begin with 10,000 Reasons.
So how good it is to worship the Lord. You know, the psalmist said, better is one day in the courts of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. And this is our opportunity to rebuild, to refresh. Today, as the music plays, we're going to just pray to God. We're going to pour our hearts to him over certain concerns. And then I'll close us with a prayer for us all. So the first thing to bring to the Lord today is a word of blessing. I know it's different. I know it may be hard. But there's God's grace in every day. Why don't we thank him for it that today? Let's do that now. The second thing we do is we bring our burdens to the Lord. We have a God who offered to daily bear our burdens. So I don't know what it is. Maybe you're just not feeling well emotionally. Uh, maybe the clouds have gotten you down. Maybe there is a real struggle financially or in your health. You get to put that on God's shoulders in these moments. Bring your burdens to him. And then finally, we confess our brokenness. We have yet to be made perfect. We all can look back this week and say, man, there was something I said, I did, I thought that didn't please my God. We get to bring that before him and ask him to forgive us and renew us in his grace. We do that now. Father, I come before us all now, and as we poured out our hearts, we just believe in you, that, that you love us, that you're with us, and that there is victory. See, our faith is based on not only a, a Lord who died, but rose again. And because Christ is risen, death has no sting. What we go through will not last. We have a future glory that will outsucceed everything that we go through here. Restore us in the knowledge of your grace and goodness. Restore us with the knowledge that you have overcome peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We continue with our next song.
Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, maybe a Picasso. It's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear Heavenly Father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer. That's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. What gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay. Oh, hey, God. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running. I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. Ooh. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I got to admit, I, mean, I feel like you've been doing some great work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away, because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just, um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends, and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know? I'll stay right here, and then, you That's know... That's just it. You never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I work? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. You see, it's a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish. It's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever going to hear is at the end of your life, when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. 
Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't talk to me about sacrifice. I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Well, I guess I just did. Uh, so uh, we obviously had some technically difficulties and uh, apologize for that. Um, but now uh, after that video illustration, we're going to pick things up uh, with our hymn for today. Um, so the hymn is The King of Love My Shepherd Is. Um, and feel free to again uh, tell your friends who are watching that this is back online or share on Facebook. So, all right, we're live. Let's take it back. <laughs>
And so welcome back, church family, and apologies for technical difficulties. Uh, this is the era that we live in. Uh, but as many things that are different, there are some things that still are the same. For example, in Chicago, it is still springtime. And something that I love is seeing those tulips come out of the ground. What remains the same is that the grass is growing. And so you may have to mow the lawn today or take care of the grass and the clippings. What remains the same is trees that are flowering and blooming. And I just wanted to know, if you have a green thumb, can you just give me a thumbs up at home? And if you're like me and you kill things, can you put your thumbs down? <laughs> you know, I've done some research and I've learned about how to take care of plants. Um, I'm not sure, you know, it has helped me that much, but I still remember being in eighth grade where I helped out a widow with her five acres of land. I had fun riding the riding lawnmower, and I learned a lot taking care of apple trees. It was then, as I looked at her row of about 25 trees, that I learned that trees have something called suckers. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're these little shoots that are either at the base of the tree or maybe up a little bit a ways, and they suck the nutrients and they suck the sap away from that big tree and the branches. And so the way to deal with suckers is you got to prune them. You got to cut as many of those things as possible. Why? So that the fruit grows big. You have awesome apples because you got rid of those suckers. Well, today we're having a spiritual conversation. That's why we gather. Different than the world, uh, this is the time we meet with God and we hear from him. And I wanted to welcome you again. If you're just joining us, if somehow you found this feed online, what you need to know is that in life, though, God treats us like a tree, like an apple tree. In fact, if you are in Christ, he says, Jesus is the vine and, and we are a branch. But in life, there are suckers, things that drain energy and time and resources away from us producing good fruit. And so what's really interesting during COVID-19 is I believe more than any other time, God is, is using these to cut away what I otherwise would have spent my money and time on on the weekend. To cut away all the overwork that I used to do. I'm just at home and I don't need to travel. To cut away the wide world of sports, both what my kids were doing and what I was watching. He has cut so many things out of our lives how does it feel? You know, that's why we attempted to show you that previous video with the chisel. Did you see that guy every time that God was cutting away? It hurt. It was painful. And today as we talk about how we can grow, we know this, that we mature through pain. And that's not just true spiritually, that, that's true in life in so many different regards. In fact, we have a phrase, maybe you know it, you can say it with me, no pain, no gain. And so you know what it is to go to the gym, and the only way to build bigger muscles is to rip them, to tear them, so that they rebuild a little bit bigger. You know what it is to cram for a, an exam and have so much knowledge in your brain. Why? So you can become smarter. And so God also for us to grow, allows us to go through pain so that we might grow and mature. You know, the writer of the Hebrews said this. It's recorded here that no discipline, no pruning, no chiseling seems pleasant at the time. But what? Say this out loud. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What is God's purpose in all of this? He wants to deliver from you this harvest of righteousness. Just, just as you prune an apple tree so it has better apples, so he wants to produce in you some better works, some better activities, some better things that give him greater glory, fruit that will last, says the book of John. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And you've joined us for this series called In the Meantime, and uh, I think as long as we're at shelter and home, I should just extend this series in the meantime. We're going to be in the meantime for a long time. <laughs> but we're asking an important question, which is this. Uh, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Uh, COVID-19 is that way. W what do I do when I can't just wave a magic wand and go back to normal? 
And before this time came, that, that was so true of different circumstances of life. When it came to our health, and if you had a diabetes diagnosis, what do I do when, when there's nothing I can do? It, it comes when, when a dream died, and, and you didn't get into the school of your choice, and they turned you down for a date or that job. What do you do when that's not going to happen? There's nothing you can do, and, and you feel stuck. Well, something we're going to consider is that we can endure we can accept what God is doing in the meantime and, and maybe even have eyes to see that he's pruning the suckers. And while that may not be pleasant, it may bring fruit that would have never come, not to the size degree, as if this period never came. So that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and uh, we're going to get into God's word. It's from uh, James, who is an interesting uh, study. He is actually the brother of Jesus. And something really interesting is that as long as Jesus was in the household and they lived together, he did not believe he was the Messiah. Didn't have faith. You know, another pastor, Andy Stanley, says, you know, what would your brother have to do to convince you they were the Savior? (laughs) It's always funny. You know what Jesus had to do? He had to predict his death and resurrection and pull it off. See, it was only after the resurrection that James became a believer and a leader of the early Christian church. And you think of how the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin of the faith. That if not for the resurrection, we'd be still in our sins and I would be a liar. But because of the resurrection, there is hope and peace and victory. And so James, this leader, he tells us about God's pruning and his tests and trials. And that's what we're going to hear from today. So something we do in honor of God's word, if you want to join me at home, is just standing up. Uh, to, to recognize that this is truly the voice of God still using the word uh, to speak into our lives. We're going to read the whole thing and then discuss. Here it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that it may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded person, unstable in all they do. Believers in humble or poor circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, and the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildfire. Now, we'll talk about this. It's a different way the world looks on rich and poor. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. But blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. These are the powerful words that we get to discuss. You know, uh, as you're at home, could you just say out loud, because he loves me, he prunes me. Because he loves me, he's going at it. All right. Do you know what's interesting in life is that um, sometimes you have to change the scorecard and redefine success. Let me see if I can make make sense to you. Like, before COVID-19, maybe success for you when you woke up was 6 a.m. And you had your breakfast and your devotion, and you were ready to go by 7 a.m., and that was a successful start to the day. During COVID-19, where there's no place to travel and you don't have to take the kids to school, perhaps success for you is waking up at 9 a.m., <laughs> eating lunch and breakfast, uh, breakfast and, and then getting ready by 10 a.m. I consider, I have some teachers in my life, how success has been redefined. Where before a teacher might say, I was successful because I was a really good disciplinarian. I was successful because when I interacted with my faculty, I really encouraged them. Successful because on the playground, nobody got hurt. That's being redefined. Today, teachers are successful because they didn't accidentally mute themselves on Zoom. They're successful when... The Facebook page looks good for their school. They're successful when they had a recording and it worked and they pressed record 
It's different. For me as a pastor, and I'm wondering, are we still on? Are we good? <laughs> I've had to redefine success. Because this last month, I don't know if this broadcast is going to drop. I don't know if the pre-record is going to upload and be good. Before, I used to thought it was successful if I interacted with someone here and I saw their face change. And now I, I don't see any faces. It's a totally different way to define success. Do you know God has always wanted us to make new definitions of success? To change the scorecard in, in big ways. In fact, if you are in Christ, you, you know that his goal for you is not to live for yourself, but to live for others. That's success. His goal for you is not to build your mini kingdom, but be seeking his kingdom and how my, others might know Jesus. His goal is that when we interact in this world, we wouldn't just do and say what's right for me. I would consider and do what's right for those around me. In fact, God loves it this way. He, he said through Paul in the book of Romans, you know what, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but rather be transformed by renewing your mind. And so what he's saying is that the rest of the world does anything they can do to have fun. YOLO, you only live once. Does anything they can do so that they're in the right and don't have to consider how they might be wrong. And yet God says there's a different way. Don't, don't conform to that. Transform as you reconsider some things. And I bring all of this up because it's the only way our lesson makes sense. <laughs> James is going to talk about tests and trials and suffering. And he's got a completely different way of looking at it. As we get into the first verse that we heard him say, he, he said this. He says, consider it pure blank when you face trials of many kinds. Now, if we were looking at it in the way of the world, what would you put in the blank? You know what I'd put? I'd put agony. I'd say, consider it a really bad day when you face trials of many kinds. I was reading a book that said, you know, the way we live life is by living through various narratives that we tell ourselves. Uh, you know, our actions are dictated by these stories that we create. And I know when I face trials, some of the stories that come naturally to me are, you know, I did something wrong. And that's why this is messed up. I did something wrong, and, and maybe God is mad at me. I, I did something wrong, and, and now it's just not going to go my way. It's not going to be good. What are the narratives you tell yourself? James learned to reconsider trials and suffering. And so in the blank, he, he doesn't put agony, consider it a bad day. He has a different word. Consider it pure, say it with me, consider it pure joy. What? <laughs> this is astounding. Joy is up, down, and down, up. Joy? And James, through these words, is saying, change the narrative. You got to stop thinking that because you're in a trial that God hates you or is mad at you. You can't interpret his silence for his absence. He's not absent or apathetic. No, he loves you. But what do you need to understand about trials? Well, it's something that James learned. He goes on. This is the new narrative. This is the new narrative. Because you know. What do I know, James? Well, you know what the Lord is doing. You know that if you endure, you're going to mature. That through the testing of your faith, you'll have perseverance. And that perseverance needs to finish its work so that you'll be mature and complete and not lack a thing. That's the narrative. This test has come so that you might mature. But friends, that's a different way to consider suffering. God is teaching us to change that narrative, to reconsider why the trial came. You know, another way to look at, you know, tests is placement tests. You know, we're at home, and uh, my daughter Bella is trying to get into high school, and so uh, there are placement tests. See what level of math and English she'll be at. Um, I don't know if you've ever had these. Maybe you took the ACTs or the SATs in order to get it into the university or the program or the college of your choice. 
I remember for me in high school, uh, I was a tuba player, and there was this placement test. And uh, it wasn't through a lot of people. There were like two other tuba players, but I made it. I made it to the, the bigger band, symphonic band, where all the juniors and seniors were, and I was a freshman because I passed the test. And the thing about placement tests is that you know it's going to be harder when you reach the next level. If you're in honors courses or you made it to a, a hard university, you know that just because you pass the test, it doesn't get easier. But it's an honor to be there. It's an honor to have and hold. And in fact, it's a dishonor if you don't level up. It's a dishonor if, let's say, you're in high school as a senior and you're still on the freshman basketball team. That's a, a dishonor. It'd be a dishonor if there was a 30-year-old still playing Little League and, you know, ha, 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 fifth grader. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. If you've learned something and, and passed those tests, you should move to that next level. Which brings me to, I believe, a purpose for God's testing. I think some of the reason that he does it is so that we have opportunity to level up. See, we, we would never grow, we would never strive to get to that next stage if he didn't bring that test. And so I know it's his regular thing out of love to give spiritual placement tests. Where are you at? I know this because I consider the life of Abraham. And God loved Abraham. Through him, the promised Savior would come. And Abraham was given this incredible promise to have his son Isaac at old age. But then God tested him. Do you remember? God said, this son who you dearly love, th this greatest gift of your life, I want him back. <laughs> and God says, go to this mountain, and there you must sacrifice Isaac to me. And you consider how agonizing this test would have been. There he is with his boy, who he loves, and they're going to the mountain, and he has the wood for sacrifice, and he's binding his son to give him to the Lord? Oh, what a test. But God didn't want Isaac. God wanted Abraham to see something. You know, Abraham never killed Isaac. The angel interrupted and, and said this. He said, don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything because now I know that you fear God. Now, interesting that God said, now I know. Did he know this before? Yes or no? Did, did the God of the universe know that Abraham feared him? Absolutely, right? Who's the test for? It's for Abraham. Abraham, who maybe before just thought, well, I'm a believer and I just follow God, now knows how far he'd go. That Abraham truly does place everything on the chopping block to give to the Lord, even his son. That we are the people who should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And Abraham did it. And he'd know he had leveled up. And Isaac would know. And, and the whole family would know this is what it's like to follow God. He comes before all things. We fear, love, and trust in him above all things. Wow. What a placement test he passed. And he still does it to us. You know, has God put your nose in anything and won't let an issue go away? For me, I remember being a college student. And I know this is a trivial test compared to Abraham's. But I remember my summer of car troubles. I just bought an Ford Probe, a car that I loved, one of my greatest possessions. And that summer, I would pay more money in repair than what the car was worth. If you've ever been there, that is not a fun experience, especially as a college kid. And, and he was sticking my nose in it after I go from one mechanic and then need another one and then another one, right, three or four times back with big bills and I remember the narratives going in my mind. The, the narratives were, what did I do wrong? And everyone's out to get me. The, the guy who sold me the car probably knew it was wrong. And the mechanics, they're not honest. And, and why can't I catch a break? And I'm never going to have enough. And why? I didn't handle it so well. But God stuck my nose in those kind of problems long enough to teach me a very important lesson to level up. And, and he has taught me. I've come some ways. That, and maybe you've learned this one too. Stuff is stuff. Stuff can always come and go. It will be broken. Um, it won't last. You will move. And, and when you learn that lesson, your life is better. H have you learned it? Stuff is stuff. 
And so I wonder, where is God sticking your nose into right now and he's not letting you escape it? Maybe it's this, this reason that God is, is allowing you to have troubles with your child. It seems like no matter what you do, no matter what you say, th- this trouble is, is not going away. It's, it's just been a rough road with this kid. You love him, but it's so hard. Maybe this is your opportunity to level up. And understand, this child is a blessing and a gift, but it's not yours. It came from God's hand. And it is best guarded and protected when we release it back to God. When we pray for our children, teach them the word, and then have a healthy separation, knowing we're not in control and we don't need a helicopter. Have you leveled up? Maybe it's why he allows certain couples to have relational problems. And for a season, just sticks his, their nose in the problem so that they can learn a very important lesson that there is one unfailing love in this world, and it's not that other person. It's not your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your, your wife, or your husband. It is the unfailing love of our God. Only he will never get it wrong. Only he can love you as you need and deserve all of the time. Everyone else may be a blessing, but they are a supplement to the love of God. Maybe right now he's sticking our nose into all the things we can't control so we can level up and never forget we are not in control. So this is how we grow. He allows us, puts our noses into tests. But if your experience is like mine at all, (laughs) you realize how many times you've failed. And how immature I am innately. I don't want the test. I don't want to pass. I just want, want it to be done. And that's why I love, as we gather, the foundation of our faith is not me passing the test. It's not a God and Savior who passed it for me. That Jesus was perfectly complete. And I find my completeness. And you can find your completeness simply through faith in him. Because when Jesus came, he passed every test. Do you remember his battle in the desert with the devil? After fasting for 40 days, and the devil says, turn a stone into bread. He's like, uh-uh. Give God glory. Man doesn't live by bread alone. devil says, throw yourself down from this tall mountain, and angels will catch you. He's like, uh-uh. Don't put the Lord your God to your test. devil says, you bow down to me. I'll give you everything that you see. Honor, power, fame. Uh-uh. There's one worthy of worship, it's God alone. He passes those tests with flying colors. Doesn't flinch and passes them all so that the writer of the Hebrews can say he was tempted and tried in every way and how was he found? Complete, without sin, perfectly. I love my Savior who passed those tests for me. Puts my name on top of the A+. Credits me with righteousness simply through faith. But there's more we can learn through these trials. And something that's unique is all the e-learning going on. And I know before this, some of you are just business people or just, you know, fathers or mothers. But uh, raise your hand if you've become a teacher. How many newly minted teachers out there? I I know more than any other time, uh, because uh, Bella is online and the teacher is not there, I've had her come calling to me. And, and so we've had these moments where uh, she calls dad over and, and now I try to do my best impression of a teacher. Figure out what's going on and give her the answer. The only unfortunate thing is that um, whenever Bella comes to me, I never have the answer. <laughs> I can never help her. Uh, I wish she would throw me a softball every now and then, you know, <laughs> and give me like an easy one. Oh, dad is helpful. But it's a time where because of the situation, she seeks me. She seeks someone. And that's also what we find the purpose of trials for. You know, the purpose of our trials is so that we would look to God for an answer. If we had it all figured out, if we had already been through the test, we'd have no need uh, for, for God to intervene and guide us in a certain path. And so I think that's why James goes on and, and he says these words. He says, so then if you lack any wisdom on how to handle this and what to do when your nose is in it, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. 
and look at that promise. He's not like dad or mom who's not a very good newly minted teacher. He will know the answer. He knows how to guide you through this. So this is about our prayer life as well. And it's interesting because I have two convictions when it comes to prayer. The first conviction I have is that God is glorified when we come to him. He really is. He, he desires it. Not because he's needy, but because he's worthy. He's glorified when we come to him. Uh, Jesus, he told this parable. There was a widow in a town who needed justice over her adversary and went to this judge, and the judge didn't care about her or what others thought, and the judge just kind of pushed her off. But the widow persisted, came day after day after day, and wouldn't let it go until she got justice. Now, we have a saying for this, which is, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so the squeaky widow gets the answer, I guess. Um, but, but this was an illustration that Jesus gave for us, saying, it's good that you come. Come back to me, not, not because God is apathetic, but he's glorified in, in, in how often you come and how you look to me for the answer. So the first conviction, God's glorified in us coming to him. The second one is that we underutilize the gift of prayer. There is no Christian who has maxed out their prayer life. If God has told us to pray about all things at all times and to pray unceasingly, then none of us have done as much as we could do. And and I consider the power of prayer. Like, it's foolish that I go to other avenues first. Foolish that, that I have an hour conversation with a friend or a sibling or mom or dad before going to God first. Foolish that I Google the, the, the answer first before going to God and praying for it. In fact, I, I love this quote about the power of prayer. Th- there's power in prayer. When men work, they work. Right? When I get to it, it's just me. When they pray, God works. The Almighty God. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who doesn't know how to get it wrong. The one powerful to save and help in any circumstance. Yes, these tests may have come to remind you, you need to seek him often. Have conversations as often as it is hard, as often as you need wisdom to navigate the new normal. Go to him. But as we close, what's, what's the purpose of maturity? Why do we want to grow? I consider children. I saw this Awesome Facebook post by one of our members, our church family members. It was of the infant son spackling with dad in a diaper with some spackle and a, and a brush. It was, it was pretty awesome. And dad said, you know what? This is what my dad did for me. It's what we do in the household. We, 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 we learn the tools of the trade, right? And, and why does a father want to teach the son to spackle? So that as he grows up, someday he is employable. Someday he can use this life skill for a good purpose and receive an income, and that's the way the world works. You know, it's the same reason we want our our kids to grow in kindness and goodness and faithfulness. So that someday when they meet someone they really, really enjoy, that person they enjoy might also agree to enjoy them and be their teammate for life, which we call marriage. It's good. It's why we want to mature in how we handle money. It's for a someday, so that when I handle a little bit, someday I'll save enough to buy a car or buy a house or retire. Maturity usually has in mind a day to come. The benefit of it is a day to come. Well, James says, as you mature, there's a day you're maturing for. He said, blessed is the one who perseveres, who endures to mature. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. See, there's a day ahead where growing in the Lord makes sense. And in that day, I think we're going to be so happy that he used this every now and then. So that our time and our energy and our emotion was not sucked on things that didn't matter. We're going to be happy for all the times we traded earthly moments for eternal impacts. And we will be remembered that this day is going to come. That someday all the tests will stop and the fun will begin. May God give us strength to endure till that day. Let me pray for you.
And so, Heavenly Father, man, I have so many ways to grow. But by the power of the Spirit, help me to accept the work you want to do in my life. Help my faith to mature that I may give you even greater glory. Thank you that through the trials of Jesus Christ, though, I am redeemed and forgiven. Keep me in the saving faith by whatever means possible that I may someday receive the crown of life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, at this time, uh, how awesome that we get to confess who God is and join together in this confession. Today we'll use the words of the Nicene Creed and, um, and we'll say together. Feel free to join with me at home. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became fully human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who in unity with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And so now we continue with uh, a few thoughts and announcements uh, number one is we, we just wanted to thank you for your continued generosity and support. Uh, we know that a secondary purpose of your offerings is to support us. The primary purpose, though, is to put your dependence into God over your finances. Uh, but, but you've been generous. You've been faithful. In fact, uh, some of you may have heard the PPP program. And what our leadership decided to do was not to take advantage of that program because you had been generous and you have been supporting the work of the church. And, and Lord be praised for that. Another thing we praise God for is for your support of the Frankfurt Food Pantry. Uh, we have received over $300 for them so far, and it's still a great over and above cause that you can uh, pour out support to community members by, by, by giving to the Frankfurt Food Pantry. It's, again, an option under the uh, tabs in the electronic giving app. More announcements. Um, one is that we want to stay in contact with you. By this time as a pastor, I thought we would be back. And I thought some of our normal interactions were going to take place, and I was wrong. But what it means is that we want to connect with you. Um, our staff and our leadership and myself are making phone calls. And if you are in need, please feel free to reach out to us, too, before we, we get to you. Uh, we're going to be reaching out, trying to update our contact information so that we can get a hold of you. Uh, so look for emails and phone calls. And again, if you are in need or if you know a church family member in need, please tell them to call us so that we get to it sooner. But thank you for attention to that. With that, um, we have a time for prayer. And in our prayers this morning, uh, we have a prayer for Carol Quinlan, um, who had a fall and is under rehab. Um, after this, we'll also join together in the Lord's Prayer. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that though our bodies ache and go through pain, they also heal. And so, Lord, we ask for our servant Carol that you would heal her so that she could have many more days in the presence of your glory, many more days in your time of grace uh, to produce fruit for you. Be with her in this meantime of recovery and let her know your goodness and your presence. Lord, we pray also for those who are serving us uh, whether it be our leaders who are making difficult decisions, uh, we, we pray for all leaders, uh, whether in the state, uh, for our country and its president, uh, whether it for leaders of businesses who are deciding how to love their employees and love the community. Lord, give them wisdom and guide them. Uh, Lord, I, I pray for our hearts that when people differ from us, we would look upon them with love and, and we would seek to understand before being understood. Lord, lead us to consider not only our own good, but the good of those around us. Lord, for this and for so many others, we come to you in Jesus' name. 
but now we join together in the prayer he taught. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now we close with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace.